You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back to Got Tech, the podcast. This is episode 45 called Elevate Learning with Gamification Techniques. In this episode, Geis and I revisit one of our favorite topics, gamification. We explain what gamification is and share some popular ed tech tools that you can use to support it in your classroom. Finally, we'll close the episode with some project and lesson ideas that use gamification techniques. Check it out to make gamification part of your classroom today. Nick, we are back with episode 45. This is on a topic in which I love to talk about. This is one of my favorite things to bring into the classroom. And I kind of feel like today I feel like a kid waking up for his birthday or a father that wakes up on Father's Day that knows that he's going to be able to play two rounds of golf that day. That's how I feel about this topic. Yeah, it's one of our favorites near and dear to our hearts on uh, Got Tech, the podcast. We're talking gamification today. It's one of our favorite things. We we love games. We've always played games with each other, just sort of in our free time. And building that into the classroom is extra, extra uh, valuable and can serve so many purposes. So let's just right off the bat, let's kind of redefine gamification for people. It is something we talk about a lot, both strategically in the classroom, but I think it's always helpful to kind of get at the roots of what this actually means. So maybe you can uh, educate people here. Yeah, I I think what we we need to do is we need to pick something that everyone knows about, uh, except for, I I know the shell of it. I've never actually played it, but what keeps kids or students or even adults playing Fortnite every single night? All right, or every single day. What keeps them coming back for more? The answer are the unique elements called game elements of gamification. These things could be challenges. All right, if something is challenging, people will get an interest in overcoming that challenge, beating that level, accruing enough points to level up these types of things. And as I sit here right now, Nick, you're you're kind of participating in a form of gamification, but not in the educational world, but in the business sector. And you probably don't even know that you're doing it right now, but I want to point it out. Yeah, what are you talking about? Nick comes strolling in today. All right, we booked this. Uh, we booked this time to record. Nick comes strolling in today with a nice coffee. All right, it's from the Bucks of Star, otherwise known as Starbucks. We'll give him a three a free plug there. But right now, I'm sitting at this hot drink, and on the outside, there's a sleeve of the uh, the coffee queen looking right at me and I'm wondering Nick where is my coffee you didn't even ask yeah I have no I have no no way to explain myself I apologize <laughs> all right just include me next time next, but next time I got you there is your gamification your gamification has to do with your Starbucks coffee all right they are a business but they're gamifying their rewards program first of all reward everyone's interested in a reward and that's that's a game element in itself. But the actual star system with their coffee is, you know, a form of gamification. Nick's going to keep going back and getting coffee until he gets 150 stars or whatever it is. He's going to get a free drink. And and that's part of it. There's a reward system there. That's a game element. Yeah. So this is, like you said, really huge in the marketing world to kind of get people to keep coming back to a certain place. We all take part in these game elements all the time. So I've also seen them called 
progress mechanics in like a larger sense, but it's the same thing. It's gathering points. It's doing level ups based on those points in actual video games, right? They're often called like experience points and that's how you advance through the game and sort of unlock different features. This can come in the form of badges or leaderboards. There's all sorts of ways you can see these these game elements that kind of get sort of incorporated into what is otherwise your normal classroom environment. So that's gamification. And let's just throw this out there to clear the room a little bit. What is the difference between gamification and game-based learning? All right. So we have gamification, which are game elements that keep people interested, coming back, uh, for various reasons. Game-based learning is about the learning experience. The game is the experience. So they're learning content through the game. In gamification, it's bringing one of those game elements that people are interested in into the learning to make it more useful, to make it more motivating to learn. So I think that we needed to throw that out before we get into our next segment, which is all about some commonly used gamification ed tech tools. So stay tuned and check it out. You can follow Got Teched outside the podcast at gottech.com or on Twitter at We Got Teched. So for segment two, we're going to get straight into what I hope is one of the most helpful things for people, and that is just sort of an update on some of the uh, some commonly used gamification ed tech tools. We kind of scoured the internet and found as much as we possibly could um, in terms of different ways or different, like I said, different tools, apps, extensions, websites, whole variety of stuff uh, to help you actually sort of start bringing gamification to the class. Now, I do want to point out that there's a lot of gamification tools, and we've talked about a lot of them before. One of our favorites is Classcraft. If you've been listening to the podcast, you've probably heard us talk about it. We wanted this to be more of like an update on gamification, some things we haven't mentioned before. Um, If you want to sort of get a nice baseline for yourself in the gamification world, uh, you can just search through some of our old episodes. We've got a full one that compares gamification and game-based learning to give you like a broad stroke on some some of the major tools. But hopefully we can bring some different ones to you today. If you haven't listened to that older episode, it doesn't matter because these are still some of our favorite selections. And um, let's Let's kick it off with our first one that I think Geist knows a little bit more about. It's called Flippity. Is that correct? Yeah. So what I like to do is I like to go out and invest time in researching tools that's going to help me develop my weaknesses. And my G Suite weakness is Google Sheets. I get the general formulas and stuff like that, but there's a lot more that you could do with Google Sheets than, you know, just formulas and, and, and graphs and things. So flippity.net is what I'm talking about right now. But flippity, what it does is it uses Google Sheets in the background to make a cool product, um, such as you could do flashcards. You could do a quiz game show, kind of looks kind of like Jeopardy. Uh, one of my favorites is the flippity scavenger hunt. So you could easily turn a Google spreadsheet into an interactive scavenger hunt activity. And what I really like about this site is it provides you with a demo it provides you with instructions and then it gives you the template so all that you have to do is literally just go in and fill out your content you could do time you can make timelines that look neat in uh, flippity you could create badges and it's a badge tracker in flippity uh, there's word searches crossword puzzles word scrambles uh, spelling words and it makes it fun there's bingo boards that you could create one of the classic favorites is hangman that's another one but Another really, really good component of gamification is scoreboards. So if 
if you want, you can embed a scoreboard into your Google site. You can embed it into any site, but I use it to embed it into a Google site. So um, this is actually something that I was going to suggest to you, Nick, uh, because I know that you do a lot of things where you keep points or that are just like classroom points. They're not like anything with a grade. You do a lot of that stuff and the Flippity progress indicator will basically allow you to make changes in the scoring and then post it real time. So, and it looks very neat. So I, I thought that was another good one. Yeah, Flippity sounds awesome. I, I haven't played around with it too much, but I definitely want to and kind of hearing you describe it sort of reminded me of that. Um, along those same lines is one called Play Brighter. And Play Brighter is one of my favorite things. And I think it's just like a great, kind of like a raw example of what gamification is. So you can, in the simplest terms, you can think about it as uh, just an online place where kids answer questions. And I know they have a gigantic database of pre-made questions. I think there's somewhere close to 20,000 questions they advertise. Uh, but as a teacher, of course, you can also create your own. That's just, that's not so much what makes Play Brighter so special. The best part are the gamification elements where you can take those questions and turn them into missions. And that sort of gets at this whole idea of points or challenges or levels up. Um, you can describe and set whatever these missions are for your students. Uh, they give an example where uh, one of the missions might have to be defeating an international conspiracy by conjugating words. In a, in a foreign language classroom or in a science classroom, uh, you can have them do different calculations or give the formula for different chemical, you know, chemical substances. Whatever the mission is, you set that mission and as students complete these things that you've set, uh, they they get rewarded with some sort of, they call it like a currency, uh, but whatever this currency is that Playbrighter uses and they sort of can build this and then as they build and they get more currency, they can customize whatever avatar they have in the way they like. Just to make your life extra easy, Playbrighter will also kind of keep track of the student progress and sort of send that information to you. I've seen this a little bit. They have all kinds of cool graphs and charts to make this visually easy. So I think for anybody that's sort of just getting into gamification, using something like this that kind of is a one-stop shop and it's all built in for you is a, is a great way to do it. So definitely I would say check out Playbrighter for any anybody who wants to sort of go down this gamification road. So for, for my next, I'm going to do two because uh, they kind of fit in the same genre of, of gamification. This is throwing it back old school. I remember growing up in elementary school, the, one of the first types of games that they brought in were, were uh, word finds, crossword puzzles, jigsaw puzzles, those types of things. All right, so there's a crossword puzzle maker, and that's, that's what you would type into Google. The direct link to it is in the show notes, but crossword puzzle maker allows you to create your own crosswords. What I like to do with that crossword is I like there to be some form of content. So I'll, I'll have like a PDF or something that I send to them where they'll read stuff. And I try to give them questions that they have to provide an answer that's like between the lines. It's not directly spelled out in that reading. And what I'll do is I'll make a crossword puzzle with it. And then I will highlight certain boxes within that crossword puzzle. And that will have a secret word or something like that or secret code. Um, so this is me kind of like app smashing a bunch of things. I use Google. I use a, a crossword puzzle maker to give them some type of content and questions to go with that content, gives them a secret code, and then they get their next step or, or something like that. But that's Crossword Puzzle Maker. Uh, there's also another one called Jigsaw Planet, and I really like that to make jigsaw puzzles. You just take a picture, you, you upload it to Jigsaw 
plan it and then you get to decide how many pieces it's going to cut that picture into and then they have to put them together this is a great way to kind of break up the i used to call them questions of the day um i know other people call them do nows or five minute startup activity or whatever you may call it all right so you give them a jigsaw puzzle with 15 24 pieces somewhere in there and it takes them a minute to put it together and then after that they that picture could just be your question of the day all right so what is the value there well when they come in when students come into the classroom they look up and they see a question of the day a lot of times they're off they'll get sidetracked they'll start side conversations but if you start incorporating these little puzzles that might only take 15 seconds maybe a minute that will kind of have them work independently and get them focused on today's task so check out jigsaw planet yeah those are both really cool tools although i I think this next one that I'm going to bring up is maybe the coolest thing, well, definitely in this whole episode, but one of the coolest things that I've seen for educators in this uh, game in this gamification space, and that is using Minecraft. You've definitely heard of Minecraft. It's one of the most popular video games of the past uh, decade, at least, maybe longer. I'm not exactly sure when it started. If you don't know exactly what it is, a quick description, it's just, it's it's a video game where really you, you build the environment yourself. You place what are called blocks. Uh, so you are sort of creating your own world. And within that, there's different adventures and challenges you can go on. Kids are obsessed with this Minecraft space because they get to do the building. And obviously, as soon as you hear that, that should kind of spark your interest as an educator, because that's really, that's like a really powerful skill. And it teaches all kinds of stuff when students get to sort of build their own world. Well, Minecraft kind of recognized this, and now they have a Minecraft education edition, and it brings in a lot of really cool gamification elements. So this is Minecraft, but it's all in this learning platform. Uh, they've got everything sort of aligned with with standards. It goes K through 12. So they're all different age levels we're talking about here. And it's really starting to get used extensively for STEM courses. That's the obvious one because of the, the building element. Um, but there's all sorts of really great classroom uh, features like tutorials and uh, just different features that kind of support educators in, in these games that you want your students to play or challenges, but within the Minecraft world. Uh, just some examples they've got a bunch of pre-made lessons you can look at to give people a sense of what you can do with this. One that I thought was super cool, mostly as a, a science guy myself, uh, sponsored by the World Wildlife Federation is a, a Minecraft safari edition where the students are in this world where they get to journey through like a, a forest or like a jungle, but it's very biodiverse and they investigate that biodiversity and look at animals and um, extinct animals as well and kind of learn about those processes as they go. There's history ones um, where you can walk through historic places, but within the, again, the Minecraft built world, ones that involve, you know, westward expansion across the United States for some more history stuff, investigating islands to learn about the environments taking place there and, and the change, how those environments change over time with weather. And the list goes on and on and on of all kinds of really cool Minecraft worlds that your students can investigate. And it brings in a lot of these things we've been talking about, like, you know, points and, and leveling up and, and stuff that really gets at the heart of gamification, the most important benefit being how excited do you think your students are going to be because they sort of feel like they're getting to play Minecraft while they're in school. But they're, you know, they're, there's, of course, a lot of learning that takes place in the process. So I think that could be a really powerful one. Sounds awesome. I For me, I don't know why, but I never have really gotten into like the whole sim, uh, Minecraft, uh, I don't know, 
Fortnite, yeah. all that stuff I've never really gotten into. And everyone keeps saying how awesome they are. And I'm hoping, and it's probably inevitable, but I'm hoping some, like my kids start playing some of this stuff, you know, when they're a little bit older. Yeah. Yeah. That, it's I, coming. I think, yeah. I think, I think it's going to be a neat change of pace for me because I think it's just going to open up a whole new world for me as well. And it's an interesting bonding app or opportunity for you and maybe one of not just your students but also your kids at home uh the next one is called will wheel of names flippity also has something like this as well but i really like wheel of names for this um when we think about fairness and equality and things like that in the classroom this is definitely one of those tools um what the wheel of names is you put everybody that's in your class on the wheel of names uh each little pin so think of wheel of fortune but each one of the, where there's usually a prize or a money of value would be a kid's name. Uh, and what you would do is maybe you're doing a discussion that day and you want it to be a fair way of selecting who's going to talk. So you would just click the button after you uploaded all the kids' names onto the wheel of names. You click a button and then it will randomly pick somebody. Now, here's the cool thing that separates the wheel of names from some of the other name, like random name generators uh, or pickers. Uh, the wheel of names allows you to decide whether or not you want to remove that person's name from the wheel or leave it on. Now, if you're doing prizes, if if you're doing something where people get rewards or 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 prizes you probably want to take their name off of there so they don't get picked more than once however i like in the classroom i like keeping all their names there it's very rare that someone gets picked four or five six times before someone else gets first even more than twice before someone else gets first but i feel like if you take their names off of there they feel like they get to take the rest of the period off Whereas if you leave it on there, it keeps them honest. So Wheel of Names is is one of my favorites for equality in the classroom. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I've used Wheel of Names a couple times, and it, it, it is super helpful for like that fairness aspect, like you said. And it's just kind of a fun thing and a, different, a way to change it up when you're making t- selections of students or whatever you're doing. The last one... I actually found this morning. It's something I found a while ago, but I found it. I have this folder that has like cool things that I want to revisit. And down at the way bottom, I found this one called Vokey. Um, Vokey is super easy to use. And a lot of times um, people ask me if there's a way to get little caricatures to talk and their mouths to move. Vokey is that program for me. This morning what I did is I I put a, um, I went to Vokey, I selected Abraham Lincoln, a little caricature that looked like Abraham Lincoln. There's like 50 or 60 different voices that you could apply to it from all over the world. Uh, So it gives you all all the accents and stuff from all over the world. And you just, you could either type out or copy and paste what that person or caricature is going to say. So I had Abe Lincoln basically reciting the lyrics to a Blake Shelton song this morning. And I thought it was pretty cool, especially if you're just giving instructions to your class. I I, th- I think this could be used uh, like on a Google site or a, or a Google Doc. You could copy and paste it. Uh, the video into a Google Doc so they can get their directions from someone else other than you. Yeah, that's it's really cool. Some of the they have tons of different characters. You said there's like 50 or 60. Just I'm looking at some of them now. They have even like mathematical symbols or punctuation with a little face that you can make talk. So I'm looking at one that's like you know the symbol pi. So you, know, you could be like a math teacher and 
program the little pi symbol to talk and maybe explain what pi is and where it comes from. So it's not even just like real things, like actual, you know, things that could talk, but just all sorts of creative ways you could sort of tie in, uh, you know, like a speaking character. So that's, that's a pretty cool one. I think that would be a great way to... I, I know when I taught uh, science, I liked using famous scientists' birthdays as a opportunity to talk about someone that made a scientific contribution to society on a day that didn't necessarily fit into my content, but it was relevant because it was his, birth, his or her birthday. I remember doing that with a, a lot of different people. I used to uh, put their faces on big like uh, paint sticks, you know, the sticks yeah. that you get. I used to copy or print out a, a picture. If I was artistically, you know, gifted, I would probably do that, but I'm not. Um, I can't even make a stick figure that looks right, but I feel like this uh, Voki is a program that can kind of take what I was doing to the next level and enhance it in a way that you know, the kids are interested. Yeah, absolutely. It's a cool one. And um, so before we close this out, I think it would be a mistake to at least not mention that if you don't want to mess around with any brand new thing that you feel like you have to learn, like Minecraft or Playbright or whatever, which you probably, all these things are pre-made and super quick, but maybe you want to stick with your comfort base of Google tools, G Suite tools. There's lots of stuff that you can really simply do there to help bring that gamification in. Maybe you just want to assign your own points to students uh, for whatever you want in your classes to sort of let them accumulate or or build or purchase things pull up a uh, pull up a google sheet and embed it in your class website and you can keep track of the classes points there so kids can log in and check it at any time that's just like one really quick thing it takes 10 seconds to open that file copy paste your class list and start typing in points into those columns, posting it for them to see, and in a great way to uh, very simply introduce some gamification elements. All right, so we're going into my favorite segment of each episode, and that is some ideas that we could give you about our topic, which is gamification. So we're going to talk about a few. Um, we kind of don't have really a, a set amount of things, and usually we think of things as we start talking. And I know just since I hit play, I kind of solidified an idea in my head uh, that I'll talk about in a little bit. We should probably just go over some of the things that we've used in our class or ideas of things that we want to uh, implement into our class. And Nick, I'm going to let you go ahead and start off because I know that you've recently done a couple of these and, and you probably have them, you know, on the on the hot burner right now. Could yeah. easily talk about them. Yeah. So a fun way to tie in gamification um, is to sort of bring in what we call like a pop culture theme. Although a lot of the times this sort of just ties in with like a popular TV show that's on or, or big at the moment. Probably 10 years or so ago, this what we were doing stuff with the Survivor show that was that was a lot bigger then. And um, you it's, sort of it's still big. Nick. It's, it's, I watched it last night. Do they still have it on? Yeah, I don't even know that. OK, so Survivor, there you go. You could even do it today. But um, just sort of using that as like a model to bring challenges and points and level ups to your classroom uh, where, where kids take part in like survival like challenges where they have to work in teams and build things or complete some kind of a challenge. Um, and I think another one that we've mentioned before is like uh, the amazing race. You know, there can't be traveling, but you could sort of do like a digital type of travel where students investigate different regions 
or you use like Google Arts and Culture for them to sort of view, like do a street view, 3D image of different places and tie in some sort of point-based challenge system with that. And the list can go on and on with anything that is popular. I think the pop culture side of this just kind of adds like an extra element of, of buy-in. So you've got the gamification where they're trying to earn things and achieve and complete things, but also now it's in this context of something that they hear about in their regular lives too. So I, I am going to continue the Survivor talk here. I, it's one of my favorite shows. It's that show in itself is full of gamification elements. Okay, and believe it or not, a lot of our students even today still watch Survivor, and it's been on for so long because people relate to these challenges. They relate to the puzzles. They relate to the social uh, interactions that happen within the show. This is something that originally what I did is I used it in my classroom as a gamification driving source where students would get points every time they did their homework, every time they did this. If they got an A, they got this many points. And I would put them on teams and no one would really know how they earned the points other than the basic categories that I would tell them that they earned extra points for getting an A on a test or something like that. But they were in groups. They knew who was in their groups, but they never knew how the specific points were earned. And as they earned points, they can buy things, whether it was, you know, they could skip two questions on their next uh, homework assignment, or they could get a hint on a, the next quiz or something like that. You, you could really take that any way that you want to go. But what I found out is when I tried this with another class, we what we did is we just used it because so many kids in that class watch Survivor. We just uh, made teams amongst ourselves and we tried to pick who was going to get voted off each week. And if they got it, their, their team got points. And we just used it solely for the purpose of having a common interest. And I think that helps with buy-in on all the other stuff that I did just because, you know, we had something relatable to talk about. So I don't I don't want to always say that you got to use gamification for direct educational things, but there could be other elements of your classroom that you can tie gamification in. And that is like just building a safe environment, building a space where they're comfortable. Yep. That's a, a great point. And then another really, this is maybe one of the most popular areas to do gamification is sort of bringing a badging system to your classroom. Uh, this would be where, you know, not necessarily, could be as a, like a replacement for grades instead of like a percentage. There's different badges that the students have to earn throughout the year once they show mastery in a topic or a concept and they get that badge. So you can use it as like a content sort of a checker, um, but there's other uses as well. Now, I, I've seen this used in classrooms where it was a uh, standards-based. Uh, they, they still have their grades, but they the teacher focused on each one of the standards. And if they got, you know, proficient, they didn't get a badge. But if they got, every time they got advanced proficient, they got a digital badge from a teacher. And one of the things the teacher did is they did uh, digital portfolios for the students, where the students had to update their portfolio after each unit. And if they got the badge, the advanced proficient badge, they would upload that digital image to show that they got it and then they would put a little artifact underneath of how they earned it or 
what they did to accomplish that standard to get that badge. And I think that's an awesome way of using it. I love that. And you can also do this in like a classroom management context where, you know, the kids get badges just for doing things that you want them to do. Like maybe in younger grades, you know, cleaning up and putting all the, the, uh, the learning tools away in a certain area when they're finished, they can earn a badge for that or a badge for you. I mean, they can let your imagination run wild there and ways to hand these out in your classroom. It's, um, it, this even works with teachers. We've mentioned before that you can, you can run PD where teachers earn badges as they learn different, uh, you know, different instructional approaches and then they present artifacts to show that they've done it and they get that badge and it's just again building on that reward system and people like that your brain is sort of built to to enjoy a reward for achieving something and it's really just sort of buying into that i want to mention really quick within this that a cool thing to do is designing the badges by having your students come up with them at the beginning of the year. You can actually have the kids draw on paper and take a photograph and sort of digitize their drawings. And then those are the badges. So as they earn badges, they're earning the thing that they have designed. And if you're really fancy, you can have them do digital creations as well. If you're not into that or you think you don't have the time, there are tons and tons and tons of really cool online tools that have pre-created badges that will orchestrate this for you. Badge.us, that's B-A-D-G.us is one. Badger, B-A-D-G-R. Mozilla has one called the Open Badge Infrastructure or OBI. And I I think there's probably even more of these things, but uh, they're just making the badging so much easier because it kind of keeps track of it for you. All right, so the next one is another one of my favorites for the classroom where you're going to have a discussion. And I I taught bioethics, and I really wish that I would have used this more in the classroom because the students really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm a big fan of ESPN and Around the Horn. Around the Horn is where they have like four different sports journalists. They start with four and the host gives them a couple questions and as they're giving their answer to the question the host gives them points and then after the first round one person gets eliminated who has the lowest amount of points and then you have you're down to three so you have another couple of questions and the same thing happens until they narrow it down to the winner of that episode and at the end of that episode they get to have anything that they want to say in 30 seconds it could be about anything so it's kind of like what we used to do in our first season where we, we had our uh, victory speech. That's kind of what they did. But getting back to how gamification, how you could use Google Sheets for gamification purposes is you could simply just, you know, break team or break your class into six teams, have an open forum where you just ask questions about a topic. So if I'm talking about mountaintop mining, which is the same thing as coal mining, but above ground, they blow off the top of the mountain and then mine the coal and then fill it in with, you know, scrap and dirt and all that stuff. Um, If we're talking about that, I might just simply say, you know, do the pros outweigh the cons when it comes to mountaintop mining? Is there enough advantage of mountaintop mining to make this a standard practice, something that we should incorporate into mining our coal. And then each team would, you know, get a minute or two to make their 
strongest point that they can out of their group so they would talk and then we would share but as they mention something uh, they get points so if my rubric if I hand out a rubric says you get one point for a you know a point that's noted it's something relevant to the topic you get two points for asking a relevant question that um, either follows up someone else's that is a follow-up to someone else's point and minus one if you do something that is off task something like that and as they're going on they might earn a point five six times throughout their 30 second response and then you would keep track of the points and i don't know if you would want to eliminate groups i did because i made the people that got eliminated take notes and that's how they earned their credit um they had to keep like notes of the main points but that is a way that you could easily gamify your classroom you just show the uh, spreadsheet up there you have your computer or your phone I usually did it on my phone because my computer was plugged in in the back I would just change the points after each round I would I would give them their points and they would see it so I, I just think that's a neat way of getting more out of your students when it comes to just general uh, discussions whether it's book talk whether it's about the homework that you read, you have a lot of opportunities to use this. This next one is something that is sort of a new idea, at least for me. And Geis, I think, has done something like this, but I'm going to sort of extend it to, what about like a murder mystery party? If you've ever been where a lot of these, you can buy them, they come in sets and everybody gets a character and there's roles to play and you dress up if you really get into it. And the whole goal of the party, socially, of course, is to try and figure out who committed the murder. Well, I think a cool gamification idea would be to, Build that, but do it in your classroom. And then as the students are sort of role-playing these characters, there's also uh, content that they have to learn as they try to solve the mystery. And of course, there's gamification elements to this and that they're trying to sort of achieve, you know, solve this mystery or achieve this challenge. Or maybe you build in a points system along the way to kind of tie in some of those elements as well. But I think that could have a lot of power and could be very meaningful, especially for students that might be more geared towards or enjoy learning in sort of that role-playing environment. Plus, it's just kind of fun for everybody. Once you really get into like a murder mystery scenario, I think it's awesome. The one way that we have seen this, or we've tried this a little bit, is with like a crime scene investigation scenario that I think you kind of set up years back where they had to solve a, really solve a mystery, but it was a biology lesson where you sort of had to investigate this crime and use different, you know, stuff you're learning about DNA evidence and all sorts of things i don't know you you remember more than me probably but uh something like that so that's what we did a couple years ago and you were actually the person that we killed off yeah if anyone wants to see one of those pictures you could reach out to me on twitter and i'll definitely direct message you a picture of nick playing dead by our uh I think we did it by our stadium bleachers. Yeah, it was outside by the, yes, by the bleachers. But he plays an excellent dead guy. I mean, he top notch. I would definitely nominate him for an award for that. Going with this murder mystery scenario, we have a mystery unit in our school. I want to do something kind of big with this murder mystery unit. And I've been talking with one of our younger teachers here um, who wants to kind of explore this space a little bit. We were thinking about getting other teachers involved, playing the characters of a murder mystery and using Flipgrid uh, for the teachers to kind of read their character bio slash their their alibis. And then the, the kids would go through them all. And basically the project is going to talk about like character development it's also going to bring in like red herrings uh, and other things 
a part of this murder mystery unit. But what we're going to do is we're going to start and say what happened. Give them an introduction as to how this crime took place. We haven't really wrote it yet. But, and then we're going to get the, we're going to bring the teachers in for interviews using Flipgrid. So we'll download those uh, interviews, put them on a uh, Google site. And then after that, instead of telling them what happens, they're going to use all the information that they got to finish the story, to fill in the gaps. They know all the characters and they know what event happened. But after they're done doing that, they're going to figure out, they're going to write about it and they're going to basically come up with their own crime. They're, they're what happened, everyone that was involved. And they're going to write about that. And then at the end, we're going to give them what actually happened, which is our story, and see if any of the students kind of came up with the same thing. And I'm going to make it so bizarre that, you know, obviously no one's going to be able to get it. But it's a neat writing exercise. There's gamification elements in there. There's narrative. Narrative is a huge game element. And we're bringing in teachers, which is something that they like. Anytime you could incorporate teachers into your activities and challenges, they love that. So I think that's an awesome one. Yeah, what a great idea. It's the first I've heard of that version of it. And I think that'd be so much fun. And then I think lastly, just to kind of really tie up all this, and you could call it like backwards grading, but I think the cool part is that this idea of backwards grading has kind of shown up in a lot of things we've talked about uh, today. And it's really simply, instead of starting with a, let's say a perfect score of 100, and then as students progress through your class, they lose points for things they don't do that just kind of has like a, a negative vibe to it and it sort of just reinforces this idea that as time goes on they're doing worse and worse and worse because they started with that perfect score and now they don't have it i don't like that at all yeah I, I will throw that out there this is one that i think is absolutely bizarre because instead of focusing on the positives it's kind of bringing the negative to light and i understand i understand that maybe it's a re- like a backwards way of motivating people. But uh, this is one that I'm just, I just don't get. Well, I remember teachers and when I was in high school, like talking about this as like it was some gift. Like you guys all have a hundred, it's the beginning of the year. Everybody has a hundred. You've all, you're all capable of keeping it somehow or getting an A because you're starting so high. But you're not really thinking about what that actually does to the student's mindset where they, maybe they have an off week or there was something they struggled with and they didn't have time to figure it out because we're just moving on. And they're just, losing points and once you lose them it's you can't get them back or at least it's a lot harder to so the the whole idea of learning to learn or progressing it just gets rid of any of that so maybe my favorite thing about gamification is it lets them build from nothing so there's always a positive connotation they're always progressing and uh, it's just you know it's just a way a much nicer way to do things so this ties in with you know assigning points or experience points or giving them badges. You're always giving them things for accomplishments or mastery instead of taking things away for stuff that they didn't do or didn't understand. So that's uh, that wraps it up for our ideas. That wraps it up for our different tech tools. Hopefully we showed you guys some new cool stuff in the gamification space. Thanks for listening to Got Tech, the podcast. Remember to subscribe to our show and follow us at We Got Tech on Twitter so you can stay up to date with the latest episode releases, blog posts, product reviews, and PD announcements. You can also follow Geist and I individually at Geist Got Tech and at Nick Got Tech on Twitter or on Instagram at Nick Got Tech. Finally, remember to check out our website, gottech.com, where we post all our episodes, articles, and resources available to you for free. Until next time.